Drumming. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Dave Matthews. This year, 2021, Dave became the newest member of the band Saving Able. Originally from a small Mississippi town, Dave eventually made his way to Nashville, Tennessee in 2017. And in between raising a young family and holding down a full-time job, Dave took every opportunity to introduce himself to the rock scene in Nashville through jam nights, tribute shows, and subbing many gigs for other drummers. His dedication and attitude paid off when a chance encounter with the original singer for Saving Abel turned into a touring and recording gig of a lifetime. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I do here at the podcast, you can become a Patreon member. Find us at patreon.com slash working drummer. Any donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content that's provided by our former guests. This content covers a variety of topics, but it's all educational and applicable to the working professional. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find links to both of these things on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. And while you're there, you can find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done over the years. And no matter what your platform of choice is for listening to podcasts, giving us a like, a rating, and review always helps us grow. So I really enjoyed this conversation with Dave. Uh, What you're going to hear is somebody that's kind of at the beginning of his career. I really appreciated Dave being forthright and honest with his perspective of Nashville after just four years in this town. Uh, As you hear through the conversation, there are some aspects that I push back a little bit after being here myself for over 20 years. But Dave's excitement for learning and growing is infectious, I, I think is important. It's a good reminder to maybe those of us that are a little bit older or maybe have been in this scene for a little bit longer to remind ourselves how uh, important that attitude is and how it carries over to all stages of your career no matter where you're at. So it, it was fun to speak with him. This new gig with Saving Able this last year, some of the recording opportunities and touring opportunities that he has in front of him it is really exciting. And uh, I wish him all the luck with that. And uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dave Matthews. Dude, let's just jump on this. So you've been here for four years, and you're thinking, somebody says, Dave, I want to move to Nashville. Tell me about your experience. What advice would you give them? Well, the first things first is, like, you got to learn how to live off of one meal a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so right back up. So somebody that's been living here for 24 years or 34 years who may disregard your experience as someone that's only been here for four years, they're not in that position. So yeah, so here's a kind of a quote-unquote newbie within under five years. You're saying learn how to budget. That's right. Um, When I first moved here... uh, 
I moved here with my family, my wife and my son. Nice. And my son, I think he was just... All right, I just kicked the whole operation off, and we're back on. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm more impressed yeah. at how you did it. Like, it was perfectly aligned with the off switch. And Graceful it just execution. Killed, yeah, it just killed the whole thing. That's right, that's work. right. <laughs> they don't teach you that in engineering school. No, it was um, impressive. So you were talking about you when you moved here, you moved here with your family, mm-hmm. your that's wife right. and your son. Yes, um, so... Uh, I had been playing in bands uh, since I was like roughly seventeen, and I dropped out of high school to do it. Okay, um, because I didn't. I was having a lot of family issues, and you know, dealing with not really having a mom or dad around. Mm. And you know, by the way, uh, if they're listening, I don't hold that against them. I learned to move past that and mm. kind of become a uh, my own person that that has learned from other mistakes. You know, like I'm. I'm sober. I don't. I don't drink alcohol. If, if a lot of my friends know me, they know Dave doesn't drink. Yeah. Um, specifically because of that, uh, and I take pride of that uh, on the road as well. Um, I don't let you know anything get the best of me. I try not to. You know, uh, regardless if it's emotional or you know peer pressure. You know. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I moved here uh, four years ago uh, with my wife and my son and. We were broke, and we lived in this little town called Shelbyville, which was about an hour and 12 minutes from Nashville. And I was working a trade job, and I did it for roughly eight years. Uh, I worked in the glass industry. I installed glass, which is terrible for a drummer. I mean, it's killing your body, and it's extremely dangerous. Well, so what were you doing there? Like, what, what's involved? So my job, I was called a glazer. Okay. Uh, so, uh, residentially that would be, you know, installing shower doors or if somebody breaks into your, your door, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, I have to come put one in or you're, you know, just, or, you know, something you're cutting the grass and a rock flies through the window. I have to replace that. So there's, there's weight, there's heavy things, there's potential it's ext- injury. Oh, all the time. And then when I got here, I moved over to the commercial side. So I was hanging off the side of buildings, putting in glass, Oy. like, and being sunburnt. So it's dangerous as a, being a drummer, but it's Ex- also dangerous. Extremely, extremely. Being a human. Extremely, but I mean, <laughs> it humbled me a lot too because the first thing that happened the day that I moved here, I went straight to Nashville. I dropped everything and didn't even unpack. I went straight downtown. I went straight somewhere where I could see somebody playing. Yeah. And I went to Broadway and started walking around and just kind of seeing how that worked and like, you know. It was a, a lot of cover gigs. Of course, that's what that yeah, is down totally. there. Yeah, you know, sure. and I was just kind of watching and paying attention um, on, on how things worked, how quickly they moved through songs, you know, uh, just kind of taking notes. I wasn't asking to set in. Well, let me ask you about Broadway. Like, did you look around and be like, um, okay, this is a scene, but maybe this isn't my scene? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I, um, I've been playing in cover bands and stuff in town mm-hmm. uh, where I was from in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, and I did that every weekend. I worked uh, two jobs and I did gigs. So I was gigging with probably four different bands down there, yeah. just like trying to trying to, to keep my craft going while raising a family. You know, because when, I, when my wife, when we found out she was pregnant, I mean, dude, I was like 20, 21 years old. I was making 10 bucks an hour. We were sharing one car that was on its last leg and living in an apartment. Yeah. 
I mean, it was heavy. You know what I mean? And like, when you can't be dreaming when you've got to raise a family straight up. And and during this point in your life, were you thinking, already thinking ahead and thinking about moving to Nashville or moving someplace? And no, no, no. Yeah. I right then I was like concerned with like how am i going to feed this child right day by day yeah because i just suck at everything (laughs) like so that's kind of what i was going through but the nashville thing didn't really happen until a couple years later i was like you know we we wanted to move and first it was going to be arizona because i was you know i was like well i can go out there and probably play in a heavier band because i listen to lots and lots of metal like immediately i was you know, I was like, well, or desert rock, like Queens of the Stone Age type stuff. Okay. It's like, well, if I move out West, you know, I could probably play with a cool rock band. And then immediately she said, what about Nashville? And I was like, well, I don't know enough country music. You know what I mean? And I used to be this like elitist punk ass kid that Mm -hmm. was like, if it ain't death metal, it ain't shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, so, um, which I am so, so happy that I moved beyond that because there is so much like, wonderful music out there yeah you know like i remember the first time i heard casey musgraves yeah i was just blown away like you know or the first time i seen joe diffie in concert Mm -hmm. michael grando invited me out and jerry hoffman and i will never forget that that's awesome like my childhood dreams like i could sing his music with him yeah it's crazy man it's really crazy but and and you're using country music music as an example but i mean it goes way beyond that and that's what excites me it's like man there's always new things to discover absolutely man um and it just it keeps you keeps you fresh and keeps you on your toes and i'll kind of get on that a little later but you know um when i got to to Nashville or to Shelbyville. I didn't get to Nashville yet. <laughs> um, I would walk around Broadway and figure out like, okay, you know, some of these players are, you know, you could tell that they're really seasoned and some of them you can tell aren't, but in, in, in a polite way, I say that in, with, uh, with all respect. For sure. They, uh, because I didn't learn later on that like, hey man, you probably shouldn't hate on that guy because he probably got called an hour ago and he's reading a chart. Reading a chart or playing a song he doesn't know, or right. half the band somebody doesn't know. called that the man. vibe of yeah, yeah. You're not playing for musicians down there; you're playing for tourists, right? Yeah, and you know, so yeah. I, it took me a little while to learn that too. Mm-hmm. Like, man, don't hate on that guy. Like, he he probably just got there, yeah. you know, like last minute. Yeah. So you know, I, I kind of went back home and and immediately went, oh my god, I suck. Like, <laughs> whoa, this is going to be really hard. This is going to be really hard. And my wife didn't really understand Hmm. this at all. She thought, you know, at one point in time, either like you're playing in cover bands and like working a day job or you're just like uber famous. There's no middle ground. Yeah, there's many ways to make a living at at music Mm -hmm. and in the entertainment industry. Absolutely. I know guys, you know, that to this day still keep a day job. Yeah. And just go out and do it. You know, I'm very, very fortunate because... And some killer players, too. Like, oh, oh, Thank yeah. you for keeping oh, a day job. So you do <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And that's totally cool. Like, you know, yeah. I am very fortunate to be in the situation I am. Mm-hmm. You know, my wife and I decided to pay all of our debts off. Oh, that's, that's awesome. You know, and I, you know, educated myself enough to become a teacher. Okay. You wow. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I didn't know how to play rudiments when I moved to town. I didn't know any fundamentals, yeah. nothing, not squat. Well, let's back up here. So, like, 
if you could as briefly as possible like tell us like how did you discover drums i mean was that just like your outlet growing up so um cool thing man um i was moving from house to house i think i went to 11 different schools and um i finally landed at my mom's mom's house my Uh grandma yeah um and she uh, lived on a property big enough to hold another like single wide trailer, right? Because I'm from Mississippi, dude. Like I grew up kind of broke, you know. Okay. What I mean? <laughs> Seriously, um, and that's fine. Um, but anyway, uh, there was a she had a, a rental property on her property, and her kid had a drum set in the living room. And if you don't have supportive parents, you don't have a drum set in the living room. No, that's 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 a good sign. Straight up. <laughs> so they put it in this shed that was between my grandma's house and the rental property. And I was just like walking through the yard because I used to mow the grass like all the time after school because it kept me busy, you know, it kept my hands busy. I never got into trouble when I was a kid, you know. I didn't sneak behind the house and smoke cigarettes. I wasn't that kid. Um but one day I was like riding by the the shed on the lawnmower and it was an enclosed shed. I mean, it was, it was, you know, insulated and I saw just a green drum set in there and it was just a drum set from a pawn shop. I knew right away. I mean, it had the one beat the shit crash symbol and like the, the high hats that like when you hit them, they would cave in. Right. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, but I looked through the window and I remember them always saying like, yeah, your uncle used to play the drums. Your uncle used to play the drums. Well, I didn't realize that I had a very musical family until years later. Wow. They didn't really like, it was like being in bands and like music and stuff just happened in my family, but it happened so much that they were like, yeah, he's a musician. Like, yeah, well, yeah, your uncle Bill was a musician. Well, duh. Like, yeah, here's, his, here's all of his tapes right here. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know, but anyway, I, um, I went in there one day I got the keys and went in there and I just, you know, there was no throne. So I grabbed a wooden chair and I sat down behind it and I just went thwack. And I was like, it's so loud. I love it. And I can't hear anything around me. Well, I went back to my grandma and was like, Hey, uh, I want a drum set. And she goes, Oh, you found the drum set down there. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I don't think so. And I'm like, all right, well, cool. Well, eventually, like later on, I guess I had pestered her. I'm not really sure. I can't remember how that happened. But how, how old were you at the time? Uh, I just turned 14. Okay. Um, and I played saxophone mm-hmm. in school, and I was really like, I really liked that connection that everybody made when they got their parts right. Yeah, right. I thought that was cool, you know. Yeah. And I was already obsessed with music. Uh-huh. Um, I still am to this day. I listen to music constantly, but. What I realized later on after my, I think it was like a couple of people pitched in together and and bought that drum set for me. Mm. It was a couple of them, you know, like we didn't have the money to just drop on it. So you didn't take the kit that was there. Yeah, I did. That was it. Oh, but you had they to buy it. it. Yeah, they, they they were like, yeah, just get it out of the house. He's not interested anymore. Oh. And they bought it. Like they bought it right there for me. Oh, um, nice. Okay. So it was, it was a group effort, but they got it. Um, and I started kind of playing it. And what I realized was I was kind of, because I'd already been playing in the school band, Yeah, I knew that like learning, learning, I knew how to learn kind of sort of, and to, to be in time, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the I, basic principles of music still y- apply no matter yeah, what instrument you play. Right. I was like, okay, so this makes this sound, and I hear that. Okay, and I hear that he's doing this right here. Like, okay, that sounds like that. I, I'm guessing that's this drum. That that would be the bass drum. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I would kind of figure it out. But I I spent so many hours on the drum set. I didn't realize that it was my safe haven. Yeah, I, I didn't. Man. I didn't realize that like that was slowly becoming a part of who I was and that was my safe zone because I didn't really have any siblings. I had half brothers and sisters, but they didn't live with me. And I didn't realize again that how much music really meant to me. Like it really struck a nerve to me to be able to connect with music on, on a physical level. And that's what kept me sane, yeah. man. You know what I mean? Like, that's... I, I can't... I'll never forget the feeling of connecting with a song in my ears. And the first one that I ever just sat down and tried to play was In Bloom by Nirvana. Okay. That feel... Blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> I was like, this sounds so huge. Yeah. And I chased that. And I still chase that. Uh-huh. And, you know, tonally, I'm always chasing how huge can this sound? Yeah. How big can I make this sound? Um, and I'm wondering, though, if because of your introduction to drums was purely by ear, by figuring out this sound that I'm hearing on this recording, where can I find this on this Mm-hmm. Drum set, this yeah. device. Yeah. Oh, hit the snare drum. Oh, there it is. Right. Hit the bass drum. Oh, there it is. Yep. You know those kinds of things. Yeah. And and, and I, so that 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 carries over to now. Uh, still to this day, and I've figured out more that I could play along to songs, and because I was really into rock, and I still am, um, obviously. Um, my friend on the school bus uh, gave me an MP3 player and filled it up with music. And then my other friend in the band hall gave me mix CDs with metal on it. Yeah. So I would put those two together and I would be, that's how I exposed myself to new music. But it was all metal. It was, uh, it was nothing but metal, metal and hard rock. So it was like everything from System of a Down to Whitechapel. I mean, just all across the board. So I slowly started discovering double bass. Mm-hmm. And th- the craziest thing happened. Within a year of me playing drums... I seen this brief exchange between my grandmother and my mom at the doorway and it was a card and it had my name on it. And I was like, what is that card? And they were like, okay, don't freak out. This is backed up child support. And I went, I didn't know I had that much money. And they went, yeah, we're going to take you to get some school clothes. And I was like, okay, can I have some stuff for my drums? Like, can I have, can I have an extra symbol? Cause I only have one symbol. Like, can I get some new drumsticks? Like I'm tired of taping these. <laughs> can I just get some things to yeah, where yeah. it'd be cool? Dude, we went to the mall and I got like two pairs of pants. <laughs> I went across the street to guitar center and yeah. I dropped almost a grand. <laughs> I got a double bass pedal. Yeah. I got a, Zilbel, because I thought that was cool. <laughs> and I got the Super B8 symbol pack. Yeah. And some new heads. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, and then I got some earbuds. Because I didn't have earbuds. I had the I had the really cheap 
you know, I was listening to all this stuff out of a boombox and an aux cord that I just plugged into it. I didn't, you know what I mean? Because the MP3 player, the volume wouldn't get loud enough. So I would run it through the boombox and cut the volume up on both of them. And it would get louder because my ear, my ear, like headphones sucked. (laughs) And they had, I played so loud that I had to like fashion them and I would put a hat on over the top so they would mash to my ears so that I could hear everything clearly. You know, and man, when I got all that, I started playing more, I'm not going to say intricate because there was nothing intricate about the music I was listening to, but I, I found out that I wanted to do that. And that right there is when I went, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. And I bet you remember that day, like yep. when you had all that stuff in the car yeah, you're be- driving home. I'm like, I can't yep. wait to get Because I have a scar on the back of my neck. Um, I moved to my grandma's. And my her the house that I was at where I found the, the drums, yeah. I moved to her mom's house, which is my great great grandmother. Okay, and they put me in the shed out back, just like they did my uncle, and they yeah. just shut the door and let me have it. Yeah. And so it, it was a tool shed. So they hung up um, uh, hubcaps behind my, you know, it was by where my drum kit was. It was like you know, and I parked my drum kit right in front of it. It was a new drum set. Yeah, it was a PDP FS Birch series. Okay. Cool, cool kit for the price. For sure. That was the biggest kick drum I'd ever played. It was a 22 by 18. It, wasn't, it was bigger than the one I had. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I kicked that thing one time, and it was so loud and huge that one of the hubcaps fell and hit me right on the back of the neck. And, like, there's a big scar back there, and I was bleeding, like, everywhere. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So I took down all the shit off the walls and started playing the heaviest music I could get my hands on. So yeah. I was playing everything that I could feel that was like double bass related because mm-hmm. it felt so huge. Right, right. And it gave me this slight ego boost yeah. in school because I was like, I can play. Oh, I feel you, you man. know. Yeah, I feel you. I that. could play Kill Switch Engage. I could play the Acacia Strain. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, nobody wanted to play with me. Mm. nobody like there was a band up the road and i was like i know all your stuff and they sounded like chevelle kind of sort of mm. and i was like i know all your stuff and they're like yeah whatever dude they were like a little too cool for me did they have a drummer yeah they did funny story so their drummer later on and you know they're gonna kill me for for saying this but like he was asking me for double bass lessons and I would go over there and tune their drums for like 20 bucks. Oh, okay. And I would warm up on the drums, yeah. and they still would not let me set in with them. <laughs> I was like, let me be in your band. And they're like, no, shut up. You're, <laughs> you know, you're only 15. That's lame. We're seniors and we're cool and you're not, you know. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So my buddy Brian Bassett, um, he's such a fucking cool dude, but um, he would come over and like riff metal with me. You know, he was the only kid that was into metal, kind of, sort of, that was, like, real about it, that could play. And he would come over, and me and him would just sit in front of each other and go, cool, we're going to play the 11th Hour by August Burns Red, let's go. You know, and we would learn those technical riffs and technical parts, and it kind of gave us this cool kid vibe. And you, you also, know? like, learned how to play with another person. I did. Yeah, I did. yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and there was no... Uh, there was no pressure to it because both of us were learning together. Well, when did you start playing in bands like in town where you were at? Okay. So, um, that never happened there. And this was Philadelphia, Mississippi. That never happened there. Gotcha. Um, so from 
there I moved to Oxford, Mississippi. I went there for the summer with my dad to kind of get to know him a little better because I haven't seen him in years. I was like, well, I'll just finish. I'll finish my 11th grade senior year-ish here in Oxford so that I'm not embarrassed. Um, And I was, it was over the summer and I was building a go-kart and I was looking through a, uh, a classified paper called the trade winds mm-hmm. this was before facebook marketplace okay <laughs> yeah i'm not quite a dinosaur yet but yeah i found this band and it just said punk band looking for drummer and i went well i got a summer to kill this will be fun right yeah and before i took before i said yes to the phone conversation on, on you know you got the gig or can you come try out or whatever he said so we've got some show dates in september and I was like, damn, I start I start school in August. I'm down. And I dropped out of school right then because I knew I wanted to play in bands. I was like, I'm going to go to work. I was working at my cousin's body shop, sweeping floors for like eight fifty, you know, and living on my dad's couch, kind of being a bum, you know. And um, But I was there every weekend, and I was playing shows consistently and getting to know how to play with a band and how to write parts and like, my department in the band, in other words, you know? Right, right, right. So fast forward, I ended up playing with that band for a little while. Then I quit. Uh, then because I've got an offer to play in a metal band, because right. I was like, oh, this is my dream right here, playing in a metal band. This is rad. So I started playing with that band. That band didn't work out. You know, I played a couple shows with them. It was cool, you know, whatever. But it was my wife that kept me going and like, you should probably do it again. And then fast forward... Man, I started playing in bands to buy diapers. And I was like, oh, I can learn these Tom Petty songs. Like, oh, I can learn this. I can learn this. So it was kind of like out of necessity to like learn, to learn stuff to keep my rent paid. Mm -hmm. And then I found out that I had kind of a knack for learning them kind of quickly. You know, this was pre-chart, all that stuff. Dude, I was like 20. I didn't know any of that stuff. But, but just memory and yeah, just yeah, like using feel, your ears, the yeah, skills. using my ears and, and and yeah, and just kind of feel. You know, I had no fundamentals, but I could feel that like oh, I've heard this on the radio. It should probably it should probably feel like this because the singer needs to be able to sing uh, this properly. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So I would sing it in my head and like, okay, this this is how, you know like last dance of Mary Jane. Yeah, like I would sing it in my head and like know where the stops and starts and mm-hmm. where the the feels were. That's when things started getting kind of real, and I taught some lessons. You know, I was just teaching five-year-olds how to play, you know, back in black. Yeah. And and because I had to make money to live where I was living. I lived in kind of an expensive town. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a baby, and I we made too much money for government assistance, but not enough. Yeah, you fall in that. I, felt, I yeah. fell in that really weird, like, I made $28,000 a year, and, like, the median household income where I lived was, like, thirty five. You know what I mean? Like for for my level, everybody else made way more. But anyway, um, so it started getting kind of real. And then that's when we decided, you know, we should move out of this place and go make make our, you know, I don't know how to it really explain it, kind of develop a sense of something new. Both of my wife and I had came from really weird childhood backgrounds you felt like you had to create a, a home, and yeah, a family that was yours, right, right. Um, and and I knew being close that close to home, I didn't want any, 
I just didn't want to be around those people anymore. Yeah. I, and she didn't either. So it yeah. was like, let's move. So when we, we, we first, we decided on Arizona and because I hated cutting grass. <laughs> That's a good reason. And I wanted to play in metal bands. You know, I was like, well, I'm pretty good with my feet and I've, I want to play metal bands. I was not really that good with my feet. I was lying to myself. That's another thing, by the way. Uh, moving here, delusion is a real thing, by the way. Like, I've, and I'm speaking from my experience. You know what I mean? I think we all get it. You know, when you move to a music town, or I mean, or you move to a place outside of where you came from, where if you were the big fish in the small pond, I was. Yeah. Yeah. So no matter where you go, I I hate to use the term music town because there's there's places around the world where there's insane talent. Yes. That's not a quote unquote music town. Yes, absolutely. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna get into that here in a in a second. But um, we we ended up moving here, and then that's where that's where that is where the buck stopped. That's where reality set in, because when we got here. I was comfortable working the same job for years. So I worked around the other, the only other four employees in the building. Mm-hmm. So they were like a family. So yeah. if I screwed something up, they're like, nah, yeah, nah. You no, know, I get that. I get that. You yeah, know, and then, sure. and then I moved here and I joined this massive, you know, commercial outfit. You know, I was like, well, you know, I came here kind of on a gig. I got a gig before I moved here. As this, this guy, he's, you know, kind of new to town too. You know, and I played a couple little things with him and got to know him. And, and, you know, I didn't quite know where I was at yet with playing. So we had a little time off and didn't have a couple gigs. So I thought, I'm going to go take a lesson. Let's go take some lessons. Right. You know, my ego had been in check and I was like, okay, well, you never really stopped learning. So let's do this. So I went and took a lesson. It was the most important lesson I ever took in my life. And to this day, I've taken many lessons and master classes and everything. But that lesson, and I'm not going to say who it was with, because okay. he's a great friend now, and I have nothing but respect for him. Yeah. But when that man gave me that lesson, he put my ass in place so bad that I didn't touch a drum for six months. Because <laughs> every time I would hit a drum, I was like, oh, my tone has just got awful. Like, mm. oh, my God, I'm not in time. Hmm. holy cow, I can't do this. No well, what more. were some of the things that you learned? Like, what were some of the things that he told you? Basically, like, in Nashville, just have your shit together. Like, there will be guys here that could easily come up here and put a chart down in front of their face and blow you away on your own gig mm-hmm. and laugh and smile about it and be basically a politician. Mm-hmm. They can come in and, like, suck the air out of a room you know exactly who they are. They don't care who you are, but they'll mm-hmm. be nice to you, mm-hmm. and they'll take your gig. And that's traumatizing. Yeah. But later on, I figured out that's not always the case. Yeah. Matter of fact, like when you start meeting real people and ha- making real friends, mm-hmm. that's not the case at all. Yeah. Now you're getting into a camp. I learned what a camp was. And camps and relationships in the camp are very important. On the lesson, though, if we could back up, was there was there anything specific that that you now use today? Something mm-hmm. that was like a skill, like 
you should work on this and you're still working on it or something like that. Mm -hmm. Fundamentals, my hands. Yeah. I immediately found out that like, wow, why does this hurt so bad when I do this? Yeah. So it's interesting because you talked about like how you were, you you were self, mostly self, I mean, not mostly, but all self-taught. And even Dave Elitch gets into this where, you know, uh, sitting down in a, for the first time in approaching the drum set. It's a, it's very elementary. Like mm-hmm. anybody could just get started. Mm-hmm. But to take it to the next level, to do it where you're getting great tone, you're staying healthy, mm-hmm. injury free, your you know, your skill set grows. That is it's almost for me, I equate that to the piano. It's easy young kids to just play a simple melody. You just got to push the keys down. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is grab a stick and hit a drum, and you've hey, you've played the drum. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's right. But to take it to the level professionally mm-hmm. is there's that there's that thing that has to happen. Yeah. Understanding space and time, playing the drums is extremely and will forever be valuable. Right. Space between notes, right. keeping time, and in most applications, dynamics. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many times I showed up to this little old blues jam, and I still do to this day. I used to drive 45 minutes to Murfreesboro from Shelbyville mm-hmm. to show up to this little blues jam. It was an open jam, and the house drummer would always message me every Thursday, you coming out tonight, you coming out tonight, you coming out tonight? Not only, you know, at, at one point in time, I took it as, oh, he's trying to push me. No, he just doesn't want to play all night long, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and eventually I kind of caught on to that, but he's one of my really good friends. That's good. State. Win-win, man. Yeah, it was a win-win. Um, but I got there, and I can't tell you how many times that band was serious. Like, they would turn around and be like, you need to shut up. Like, stop. Like, I don't know what you're doing right now, but that's loud. And what we're were you a doing? Bar. Shuffles. Okay, but what were you doing that was making them tell you to stop? Just being loud. Okay. Just being loud. I was yeah. just loud. I didn't understand dynamics. Just yeah. loud. I barely knew how to shuffle. You know, mm. I couldn't swing mm. um, until I went to. Cool side note: I went to uh, Soulshine when they had the Soulshine Jam on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went up there, and I got up there with people I didn't know, yeah. and they were seasoned. Mm-hmm. And this woman turned around and she said, "We're gonna do long train running." And I said, okay. And she goes, you know it? And I said, nope, but I can get us through it. And she goes, you're not just going to get us through that one. And I went, okay. And she goes, how about we do a shuffle in E? And she looked at me and she goes, you better be swinging. And I went, all right. Well, then I got in my head and I got in my head so hard that my bones felt like they were just turning to concrete. And like, I'm on a different kid. It's a house kit. I, you know what I mean? I brought my little stick bag up there. That was cute. That didn't help me out. And we played one shuffle, yeah. like one song, and we it was so bad. We all bailed off of that stage so fast because <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, but now, you know, fast forward later on, I ended up getting a gig in a blues in a blues band yeah. uh, with a guy named Lance Lopez. Okay. And he fronted this thing called the Supersonic Blues Machine. Hmm. And it was like basically like uh, Billy Gibbons and I think Robin Ford and Kenny Aronoff and all mm. that. But like, you know, he slipped his phone to me and was like, put your number in there. And like to this day, I'm going to like go ahead and say like, I probably didn't do that gig to the justice that it should have been done. But dude, showing up to Little Blues Jams every Thursday night and learning how to do that 
and yeah. and then getting called to do it for real for money. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this is a little bit. This is cool. Like you know, right? And then just think of the like the growth from having totally. the opportunity to participate in a in a, mm-hmm. a band. Mm-hmm. Like and he was badass too, man. Like That's so, great. if anybody you know wants to listen to some really good blues and rock, like good loud raunchy mm-hmm. rock blues. Check out Lance Lopez. Like he is the man. So you you were living in Shelbyville. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. At the time, did you have your eyes on Nashville? Were you still kind of in limbo? So what started that was these tribute nights in town and these jam nights. And I got you know I I got called to play one one time um, called the Grunge Night, and that was my first ever introduction in Nashville as a drummer. And that was the first time in six months that I had touched a drum on stage after my lesson, mind you. And you know how those things work. Everybody knows. They give you a song. You got to learn it. And then you show up and you don't know who you're playing with. You don't get, you know what I mean? You don't get none of that. Um, So I showed up and I did uh, Everything Zen by Bush. That was my first song. And I played it off pretty well. Like I knew what I was doing you know i was smiling and kind of working through the pain you know what i mean it was like smiling while you're getting tattooed it's like yes yeah, hurts man like you know but i was i was trying you know and the second song was mountain song by jane's addiction and i had played through that thing so many times that i had it down i mean i had that thing down and it was about mm, we kicked that song off you know how you know how that that song kicks off like and it just goes in this big thing well all the players on stage had it together and the bass player uh, tyson leslie is his name like he had it together so good that i was like wow the pocket is already there so we just kind of connected well enough to where i could shoot that song off and i bet we got we got to the i think it was this the solo we got to the solo section and all of a sudden my brain just clicked and i went oh my god i can do this forever and i don't suck right now this crowd is loving this and there's a video of me uh on youtube doing it and you can see my face like just light up after it happened i went whoa like this euphoria just hit me like i can do this and over the course of the next few years, I was getting called to do every single grunge night, every oh, single cool. metal night, every new metal night, everything that revolved around rock. And that's where I started to find my voice. That's when that happened. Yeah, yeah. And there is that that camp, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it emanates from those jams, yep. those tribute nights. That's right. Here in this town. And that's what's interesting. And that has somewhat evolved mm-hmm. over time. Because a lot of people are like, oh, Nashville, that's country music. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, there's a rock scene. But what is the rock scene? You know, 20 years ago, there was some rock clubs mm-hmm. in town. but And there are still those, but it they're not... It's hard to gig regularly. That's right. And I think there's a lot of super talented musicians mm-hmm. in this music business town right. that either... It's not their gig. Maybe they're on tour with a country artist, but they've got to get their yayas out playing some metal mm-hmm. or playing. Yeah, you I know, know plenty of guys rock. like that. And then, and then there's people trying to find their people uh-huh. for outside tours, outside you know organizations. Right. So 
Is that what led to getting to know Jared Weeks or? Yeah. So um, this is like the coolest thing that I say all the time when they're like, how did you get the Saving Able gig? Okay. So my best friend, Jeremy Barber, which he is the guitar tech for Three Doors Down now. Okay. Um, we stuck together like glue. Like we were together or talking to each other all the time. And we met through another jam night. It was a 90s night. Uh, it was the grunge night. Um, and then we eventually played together at this other jam night and we met, uh, our pal, Jack Gibson and Jack Gibson plays bass for the band Exodus and me being the metalhead that I am, (laughs) I immediately went right to that guy. I was like, tell me about everything all the time. This is great. Uh, and we made a little band. It was like a, it was a outlaw country band, Mm -hmm. uh, called coffin hunter. (laughs) <laughs> and it had already existed, and it was so rad. And we just loved being around each other. Yeah. So we made a bond through that. We played a couple gigs together, and, mm-hmm. you know, and it was great. Uh, we still do when we all have time. Yeah. Um, obviously, we all ha- are getting back to being busy. And yeah, exactly. So I'm excited about that. Um, but so it was a new metal night, is what it was called. So it was just you know like Limp Biscuit, Corn. Okay. You know all this cool Deftones, all this mm-hmm. stuff. Right up my alley, yet again, because mm-hmm. my favorite band is Deftones. Okay. Um, so I kind of knew all the music on the set list already. I was, sure. I'd already been through that stuff. Well, there was a song on there called Mud Shovel by Stained. And the drummer for Stained was supposed to come play it at the rehearsal. Well, they were in a time crunch... And I kind of already... Like at the venue? like No, run. no, 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 no. This was oh. at a rehearsal. Let me back up. This oh. was at a rehearsal. They actually ran a rehearsal for this thing. Oh, which interesting. Was, which okay. was great. And okay. it was at the, the big rehearsal room. I think it was SIR or something. Or Soundcheck. Or something like that. It is, yeah. I think it was... Yeah, it was one of the ones downtown. It's downtown on the yes. south side. Okay, that'd be SIR. Yeah, yeah that's so. it. Mm-hmm. So they had the big room in there. But anyway, um, I'd had my songs picked out, and I'd been talking to Jeremy pre to this. And um, he was like, hey, man, uh, we're trying to, you know, we all work together of, of finding members to put on this if somebody drops because we've been kind of became friends. And um, somebody dropped off a mud shovel to sing it. And Jeremy goes, I'll just call Jared Weeks. And I go, cool. And I didn't think anything of it. And there's mm-hmm. like, oh, he doesn't sing with them anymore, but he still is active here. He lives here. So I thought that was cool, you know, and I didn't think, I seriously didn't think anything of it um, except for, okay, I'm just going to keep learning my songs and shedding them. Well, we showed up to the rehearsal, gets back to this. Uh, the drummer, the original drummer from Stained was supposed to be there to do it because they were in a time crunch because one of the guitarists had to leave quickly. Yeah. And they were like, where is John? And, you know, he didn't know that he was supposed to be there at a certain time. He just knew that he had to be there that night sometime. Oh, Okay. So they looked around the room and they go, all right, well, Jack's got to leave. Um, does anybody know Mud Shovel? And like four or five people went, Dave knows it. <laughs> and I went, oh, I do. Yeah, that's right. I do know that <laughs> hey, song. thank you. Yes, Thanks. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I got behind the drums and all my friends were playing the song, except Jared. I didn't really know him. But I was like, well, there's Jeremy and there's Matt Dice and there's, there's Jack Ivins. And I'm like, oh, well, all these guys are cool. And then Jared turned around and kind of looked at me and grinned, and I went, okay, well, there's Jared. Well, here we go. I counted that dude off, and I nailed that song to the floor. Like, yeah. 
you know, didn't miss a beat. And, you know, because it's not a very hard song to play. Yeah. There's really nothing to that new metal stuff except for a big, wide, fat pocket. Right. And a really high-tuned snare on occasions. Well, uh, deceptively, it can be, I mean, it can, it sounds easy, but yeah, man, yeah. If, if you can't play the space between yeah. the notes, like you say. That's right. That's right. That yeah. separates the men. Uh-huh. That separates the professionals uh-huh. from non Yeah. And like, if you're really into Mr. Bungle, like you can probably get your way through some corn too. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, at first I like, you know, was talking, cause I was never the kind of guy to run up to to a I guess a celebrity or, or a guy in a big band and go hey man I'm it's really nice to meet you holy cow you know I was just never like that and I still to this day I'm not um, but we you know I was like oh man you sound sounded pretty good and we, we kind of made friends a little bit there uh, well you know fast forward I ran another song I did Poem by Taproot and you know and then uh, that night I got invited to do a Deftone song so I did okay. Engine Number 9 by Deftones uh, at the end of the night did you end up playing the, the, the song that you rehearsed at the gig no, or the drummer showed up? John showed but, up. But you made an impression at that at rehearsal. rehearsal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Jared was leaving, and I was going to tell him bye, and I was like, dang, where did Jared go? I'm, I'm going to go tell him bye. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking around at, you know, the rehearsal room, and I didn't see him. And then I seen him walking out the door. And I chased him out the door, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, it was good. Pl- I meant to tell you bye. It was good meeting yeah, you. You know, yeah, yeah. finally somebody from the same area as me. You know, Mississippi. It's, mm-hmm. This is cool." And he just threw his hand up. And he's like, "Oh yeah, man, I gotta go. See you later, bye." And I'm like, "Okay, well there he goes." You know, and he's like, "I got kids at home. You know, I gotta go." You know, right? I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, "Well, yeah, he's kind of busy. I was expecting that." Right. You know, whatever. Um. Well, then the the night of the jam came, and we kind of talked a little bit more, and he had like a really um, oddball sense of humor that I got. I thought it was so funny because it was mixed with like southern accents too. <laughs> so both of us just had this like southern drawl automatically, and I was like, "You know what I'm talking about?" And he's like, "Yeah, you know what I'm talking about." Right. And you know, we kind of formed this like friendship right there. Yeah. Well, fast forward like a couple months later, Jeremy texted me and he goes, "Hey, Jared Weeks is taking his band out," you know, and. I'm playing guitar for him, and I go cool. And this was his solo project. By solo way. project, not not this saving. Was, no, 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 right. Um, and <laughs> I was like, well, that's awesome. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, I'm 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 at work. I'm physically working, and my mm-hmm. my messenger is just blowing up. Mm. And um, you know, keep in mind, dude, I didn't really have a gig. Uh, I did gig a lot. This is cool on the country end of things. I gigged a lot, and I still do in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Oh, and there's a cool little scene down there that no Nashville players are in. So I had a chance to make mistakes and learn like 400 country songs. Yeah. And it wasn't under the pressure of anything. And the pay was killer. Oh, that's great. And I still do it all the time. Where is this? This is in (laughs) this is in Tullahoma. Yeah. Take notes, boys. Uh, No, don't text me for a gig down there. Just kidding. Um, no, I, and so I had learned like my way around country and 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 right. respected it. You know what I mean? I I learned about it because uh, I could physically make mistakes, and this was before I knew, knew you know how to read a chart uh, or anything. I was just learning these dudes by memory. Sure. Well, that's good. That's the best yeah. way. To- and they would film me all the time, and they're like, "Dude, this drummer is like insane," and just because they had never seen somebody play 
a stupid double bass lick that'll get you fired in Nashville. <laughs> Seriously, like I would end the show like like sex couplets yeah. and stuff, and they're like, "This is so rad," yeah. you know. But if you do that in Nashville, it's like, "Hey, don't do that." Yeah, you know, I could get away with more stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I could yeah. kind of be myself, and that's right. what the, they thought that was cool. And I think, and you know, it's interesting because I think I've come to realize there's a time and a place for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I think for a long time, I just, I kind of put that aside. I kept pushing that, those kind of flashy things. And then there's the time when you really, they need that from you. They mm-hmm. need, it's like you're entertaining, you're being, you're, yep. you're putting on a performance. It could be the type of music that doesn't call for that. But when the artist or the person that hired you say, hey, listen, man, at the end of this song or at the end of the night or whatever, or we need to feature the drums Mm -hmm. while this happens in the show. Well, guess what? Those skills come. That's right. When you're ending the set, that's right. There's a time and place for that. Or like if your producer wants to hear something slick, like give him something slick. You know what I mean? Like. To me, drum fills aren't supposed to be like, you know, crazy. They're supposed to be clever. Yeah, I mean, they should serve the song. Serve they the song be, and be clever. Be, like, they should be as much of a hook as the guitar. That's player. right. Yeah. yeah, like you need to, you know, remember. Like people need to remember, like be able to air drum to your stuff. So like, be slick with that. But anyway, um, yeah, I'd been doing the country thing for a little while, just on the weekends, because I I had finally moved to Murfreesboro. Okay. Finally, like, so I was living downtown in this duplex, and it was terrible. But I thought it was cool. But anyway, um, and, and you know, we'd finally gotten on our feet a little bit financially, my yeah, wife and I, and yeah. we kind of gotten rolling. My son was in, you know, daycare and we were we were rolling. Doing the thing. I was doing the thing, you know, it yeah. was working. I was like, okay, I don't hate my job, but like I'm I don't have to drive forty five minutes here. And so my life was in a little bit of a better place. I'd kind of gotten my name out in Nashville a little bit, you know, yes. playing all these jam nights. So he- you met Jared Weeks at that rehearsal. That's right, and then COVID hit. Okay, awesome, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun, right? Yeah, that hit, and then we did this thing called Hello TV, because he called me and was like, hey, you know, Jeremy gave gave him my number, and yeah. we exchanged, and then he called me, and he goes, yeah, man, we're going to do this. And I go, cool. He goes, how much Saving Able do you know? And I was like, well, I mean, I used to get ready for school in the morning, I'd see you on MTV, so... There's that, you know, like, so I know probably five or six of your songs. Like right now, I just know of them, you yeah, know, yeah, like sure. I know the hits, but like I know mm-hmm. a couple more maybe. Um, uh, and then we hit it off better than I thought we would. And then our kids started playing together. Goes back to that thing. Oh, nice. Uh, and then I met his wonderful wife, Nikki, and... They made me feel so comfortable and like I could be myself. And, you know, just they taught me so many and they still teach me just these wonderful lessons on how to deal with things and deal with people and insecurities. Because, you know, like I've got a, a couple of them, you know. Nashville traumatized the hell out of me. So when I got in a band... You know, I was like looking over my shoulder, like, you know, somebody's going to snake my gig. And they're like, we're in a band that's been established for 15 years. Like, like this isn't, no, this isn't how this works, dude. This is the same lineup. Like, no. So we got to knowing each other on a whole other level, man. It wasn't like a Nashville level. You know what I mean? Like, it was like a thing, man. And one day I finally quit my day job. I finally quit. And I, I had enough gigs going on to where I could, at, 
probably do Uber Eats mm-hmm. and gig because I don't just go out taking every gig. I take gigs I feel comfortable on that I know I can handle because yeah. I'm not dumb. <laughs> and I I just called him one day and said, "Hey man, I just you know I'm I'm about to quit my job and." I got a bunch of gigs lined up. My summer's filling up. And I, I remember you said something about a gig in October. And I don't want to leave you hanging, man, because I really like playing with you. Yeah. You know, I don't want to treat this like a, you know, whatever pays the highest is what I'm going on. I I mean, he was, you know, he's truly my friend. Sure. You know? He's like my brother now. They all are. Yeah. But he said, well, I think I got something going on. I don't think the gig's happening in October. I said okay because it was a it was a reschedule. Okay, Obviously, right, right from COVID, yeah. And I was I said okay, well you know, um, just call me if you need me. I'm always here. And he said I'll call you back. But hey, I'm having this show in September. We're opening for the singer from Lone Star. <laughs> and I was like, cool. That guy's really awesome, by the way. I like Richie. Yeah. Richie's so cool. Yeah. Um, Played with him last night. He is so nice. Golly. <laughs> yeah, um, he's a nice dude. And he called me about a week later, and he said, I've been telling Nikki about you. And I'm like, uh, okay, so are we are we doing these gigs or no? Or like, what, what are we doing? And he goes, well, I'm going back to Abel, man. And I went, mm. okay. As a fan, I was just like, wow. I didn't even put two and two together. I was just like, well, this is going to be cool. It's going to be but great. But you're also thinking, well, he's gone. Yeah, he's yeah, gonna be out. yeah. I was like, well, he's gone, you know, but, you know, just stay in touch with me, brother. I, you know, just don't forget about me, yeah. basically. And I was getting ready to sign off. Right. And uh, then he just told me, I, well, if I go back, I kind of want you up there behind me, man. And, like, I had never gotten an offer that big before. Like, I'd... You know, you gotta, you gotta stop and think, man. Being from Mississippi, and then getting a gig with somebody that, you know, there was only like a couple of bands from Mississippi that made it. Three Doors Down and Saving Abel were the two bands from Mississippi, other than like Elvis. But like, mm-hmm. it when I heard that, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, this man really trusts me that much to take over duties in this thing that he built from the ground up mm-hmm. and to you know conduct this band mm-hmm. behind him and he said you know i feel like i'm making the right move here and then it turned into i think this is what i tell myself but i could be a little bit off i'm not going back without you he said i think this is what's going to happen and i went okay and then he filled me in on everything he goes, I've been talking to this guy, and I've been talking to this guy, and this is what we think, and I've already told him about you. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of leery, and I went, okay. And then I showed up to his acoustic gig, and there was the manager. And then there was the owner of Saving Able, Jason, which mm-hmm. has become merely like a father figure to me. And I walked in the room from walking outside, and he said, Dave, meet this guy. Dave's a new drummer for Saving Abel. That's and, how you found out. And I was like, uh, hey, what's up? You know, and I yeah. and immediately went into like, 
went into like, okay, I got this mode. Like, yes, sir, you're meeting me. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I shook his hand, firm handshake. And then later on, Jason walked in, you know, he's a redneck and I'm a redneck. So immediately I was like, this is rad. Like (laughs) it smells like peas and cornbread in here. And I shook his hand and then we all went, you know, we talked amongst ourselves and then we went out in the hallway and then Jared goes, this is about the best move that needs to be made right now. Dave's playing drums and he said it in front of everybody in the hallway. Like, yep, Dave's a, Dave's coming over now. That's it. It's yeah. in. And I, I could kind of see it in their faces. Like, oh my God, he's, he's, he's really like pushing weight here. Like we don't even know this kid. Like he's just a long haired guy and I can't read his shirt, you know? Yeah. And, and then, you know, they filled me in on, we're coming out with a Central's album because we just got the rights back to our record. And you're playing drums on it. So how close are you to the songs? And I said, I'm pretty spot on. Yeah. I went in there and I did... Uh, how far away was the session from that point when they told you? Uh, a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So they basically announced me as their drummer. Yeah. And, you know, we made the change. And it was a smooth tra- change, you know, because they replaced their singer and their drummer. Yeah. So it was a pretty good smooth change um you know there's no animosity or anything like that i mean everybody's really cool and you know cool. i'm pretty sure everybody still stays in touch like through phone calls and all that like it's that's not how this camp works they're really nice you know what i mean with the like the old drummer and the old uh-huh, singer yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like that's i great. have i have nothing against anybody they don't have anything against me you know what i mean we're just we're working trying to do our thing um and uh they announced me as their drummer before they'd ever played with me before anything and I went into that studio and I met their producer, original producer, and I did nine songs in four and a half hours. Well, there you go. And I was just, I guess their producer just kind of signed off on me and they go, yeah, he's, yeah, he's got it. Cool. He's got it. And Jared goes, yep, that's all I needed to hear. And I took band pictures with them and then they announced me and then I got in the rehearsal room for the first time the first week in August and I slammed through every one of those songs I mean just bam I just put the gas to the floor I had my brand new kit I had everything together I had all of my tracks I had everything that needed to be done and, you know, I just nailed it. Like, I just drove it as hard as I could, you know, and then we sold out a show that night. You and know, you guys I mean? had a sold-out show recently, too. Mm-hmm, up yeah. Up in Flint. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was That's wild. Awesome. That's awesome. It, what's even crazier is what, what really ties it all together. Not only did our attitudes work well together... Like, I love those dudes so much. Like, oh, man, that, each, that, each individual awesome. member, like, mm-hmm. I just have a bond with them. Cool. And I just... I learned so much from each one of them. You know, like our bass player, Scott, is, you know, he's like a Nashville guy too. So he understands where I'm coming from on a lot of things. And he's like, yeah, but this is different. Yeah, but this is different. This is a band. This is completely different than Nashville. Right, right, right. Exactly. Like some of the fundamentals I still apply, but like this is different. Like you need to relax just a little bit, you know, pump pump the brakes. Um, And I'm very thankful for that. And I have no ego. So, um, uh, one thing is uh, our, our owner, guitarist, Jason, um, told me, he called me and had the coolest conversation with me. We have the best conversations, by the way. Like That's he, so great. He is just, I mean, he really is. He's like, you know, 
He's a really cool dude. But he called me for like 45 minutes before I first started getting rolling with him. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, always try to stay as positive as you can all the time. You know, even if it takes you getting out of the room and going and being by yourself just to get away from all that, you know, understand that people are going to vent and people are going to have problems if they stub their toe. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, just don't get wrapped up in that. You know, don't, don't, if, if somebody wants to come to you and just kind of talk, just, just let them talk, you know, and then, and then go move on and don't hold it against anybody. Don't, don't go out, you know, cause people will, you know, some, some guys plot in bands, you know, like oh, triangulate. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 like against, if you guys have a, yeah, try to pit and like, don't yeah. our band luckily does not do that. Yeah. We all sit there in that front lounge and that's the, the but I have a feeling no. the reason he had that conversation with you is because that's his, it's probably part of their history. Mm-hmm. And with a new drummer and the singer back in, they're like, it's time for a new chapter. And I think you and I are going through the same thing right now mm-hmm. at the same time. I just, again, I start, started working with a group this this year that they're they're coming from different bands that mm-hmm. have sorted histories, yep. and when this new backing band comes in and our attitudes are good, and a lot of us have been doing it for so long, we know there's just not room. It's we're having too much fun yeah. to like try and interject some sort of drama, and if there is drama and there's something that needs to be told. Then it gets space. Oh yeah. Then it it must be serious. Hey man, if this guy's always in a great mood, if he's not in a good mood, there's probably a real reason. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's a as opposed to oh drama queen. Yeah. It could go. be it could be back at home too. Like uh, it, it kind of goes back to you know when when I get the occasional question of like we why can't we read you that well? And the reason why is because I am trying to still uh, read the room like. I'm still trying to figure some people's qualms out, like figure little things out, like, you know, because they've got their set ways. They've been doing things this way for a long time. Yeah, I think you're... And, and, you're, and try you're, not to overstep. Right. You're Don't trying to be really respectful of right. where your space, where yes, you fit yes, in this Yes, yes, I, I have to. I have to remember that, you know, they earned their right sure. to be here and yeah, you are now yeah. involved. So now you have to earn your right and respect their space and, and respect their point, choices. At some point, as you're elder <laughs> sure I, I will tell you that um once you settle in you need to turn that page and be like okay this is me y'all yeah right this is this is my department this is this is how i can help you in my department because in a band like that everybody's right. got their department you're not always there to kowtow to everyone else's whim but you have uh, you have an equal stake that's right yes that. yes yeah, now sure. you know uh, so that's that's still and i dude i still work on that stuff daily like i'm like does this guy hate me today no he doesn't hate you dave he's just 40 and he's tired (laughs) you know and i'm just like okay okay maybe i'm in my head a little bit yeah um where does the name come from saving abel yeah uh so uh, i think jared just googled the story of cain and abel that's right and then he goes man he was saving abel Bam, and it just stuck. Like he just yeah, there's something in script. Yeah, and those guys took that thing and drove it home. I mean, Jared and Jason would get together three nights a week, if not more than that, and they would just write and sing until Jared couldn't sing anymore. You know, and I always tell people like they're like, well, where did they get their sound? Well, other than developing their sound, if you take Candlebox and King's X and put it together, you get Saving Abel. Okay, cool. You know, because you have nice. this like raunchy, swampy, yeah. you know, kind of feel from King's X, but you have this like 
kind of melodic '90s sound from Candlebox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you take those two and put them together, and you have this powerhouse of a vocalist. Well, dude, you're you know? killing it, man. You've, the videos, everything sounds great. Oh, really? Yeah, Thanks, you're man. doing really good. Well, I tell you, man, really this good. this kind of ties it back to you know how I feel like I kind of belong. Uh, to a certain extent. So their original radio manager showed up to the sold-out show the other night. Yeah, up in Flint. What's yeah, the name of the Machine club? Shop. Machine Shop. And he came up three songs in on the stage, and he just grabbed the mic from Jared, and he's like, he's still fucking got it. You know, we, <laughs> I've never met this man. Yeah. But he was the guy that put him on the map, you know? Yeah. And then he came up to me on the bus and was like, we were a little skeptical about you at first, you know, because I was young and like, yeah, for sure. You know, and he was like, "But you, man, you hit the shit out of those drums, man. You really, you really bring feel in. this sound out. Like you mm-hmm. really bring something here. That's great." And he just gave me a hug, and I was like, "Whoa, like, That's awesome!" And I just turned and looked at everybody, and they were like, "Yeah." They just yeah, kind of yeah, nodded. Yeah. There was nothing to be said. They just went, "Yep." When you first came over, we were talking about you know being in Nashville and doing country gigs and rock gigs and you were like so what's what's the big difference that you're seeing like being on tour with a rock band compared to maybe some of our peers that are out with you know a country act okay so in nashville when you're out with a country act there's this there's these really strict rules you have to follow and these fundamentals that you have to have together and you must do these things to do this or you're going to get fired it's Mm -hmm. these things that that they just sear into your brain when you get to Nashville. You know mm. what I mean? What are those things? So there's usually a five-step program, and there's this book you got to read, and you got to know. You, oh, you got to know jazz, and you got to know this, and you got to do that. On the rock, on the rock side of things, that's all out the window. Yeah. You know, and like in Nashville, you're backing up this artist, and he could fire you because your face looks funny. In the rock world. You get hired because your face looks funny. You're, yeah. And like, <laughs> it depends like who farts the loudest. Like, that's what's funny. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's way cooler and you can hit as hard as you want and be yourself. You know, and in Nashville, I feel like you can, but there are some guidelines. You know, like when the boss gets mad, everybody shuts down. Um, well, in the rock band, when the boss gets mad, the other boss says, why are you mad? You know, but that, you know, that, that obviously that never happens in my camp because everybody's just so cool. Even the bus driver, like, yeah, everybody's yeah. super cool. Well, and, and so I understand what you're saying. And I, if I could, I'm just going to push back on it just sure. a little bit because I think every, because we've heard of those, what you're describing yeah. is real. Those horror stories. Yeah. Do there not are, let that traumatize you. No, Do there not. are, there are, there are stories there are there's reality that matches exactly yeah. what you're describing but there are other camps in the country music touring world that aren't that absolutely you know, yeah it's example. more of a band vibe they've been it's, there for years it's more of a band vibe even if it's a solo artist uh-huh yeah you know but it's and i think it's changing somewhat more in that way but at the same time everything is a little bit different but yeah there are some there are some things that are very true to form as far as like you know, you are supporting the artist, the, the, uh, I mean, things have changed. It's interesting because, you know, even in the 20 years that I've been here, when I first moved here, it was almost unheard of for the touring band to be, re- the be also the, the session band, yep. you know, but like that changed over time, it did. you know, whether it was Jason Aldean or Brad Paisley sure. or, you know, those bands were on the records for the most part. And I was like, that's becoming more normal, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, there's still exceptions. There's still exceptions more so in country mm-hmm. than there is in rock. Uh-huh. You know, you even take like a more indie roots country artist like Tyler Childers with a great touring band. It was still mostly sure. session players sure. that recorded on the, you know, but maybe as his career develops. Then you start implementing them on your album because yeah, you get to know them and know yeah. their voice and know what they, you know, what they're exactly. capable of. Exactly. And, and there's more trust. But in the rock world, it starts, it, for the most part, it starts and begins with the band. Yeah, it's like that's your, your you, yeah. when you get into a rock band like mine, it's like there's your department. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not Jared Weeks. You're not no, supporting I'm, him. Yeah. You're in Saving Abel. Yeah, I have to like, I'm not necessarily saying I have to write parts, but like, yeah, that's my voice on that record. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's going to be me. Like our essentials that we just did, like, yeah, I was pretty close like i was pretty close to the record yeah. but some of those fills are my fills and the producer gave me a thumbs up and was like that was cool we're keeping yeah, that yeah, yeah. Right, you know right, like right, right so i got to stretch out a little bit but but you know the bottom line on the on the nashville versus the rock band thing is if you go from from the nashville thing to a rock band which by the way i take a lot of pride in that there aren't many rock drummers in town no. Straight up. Well, there are rock drummers, but not many rock gigs. Exactly. And <laughs> I just nailed that to the floor. Like, the guys that are in modern rock or active rock bands in town, I know them personally. Yeah. There's like six of us, <laughs> you know, and I know them. Yeah. Most of us wear these kind of shoes. You know what I mean? Like, I know exactly who they are. And they're... And He's they're... wearing Birkenstock sandals. Everyone. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like... Now, what are those? Nike... Uh, oh yeah, I wear the Jordan, the Jordan ones. Okay, I collect those. They're cool. For those who can't see. Yeah, yeah. Um, but <laughs> and I've got the Chucks. Yeah. And so we, you know, we kind of, I kind of, you know, I look up to those guys and I, I, you know, stick stick close to them. And they're they're going to be a sub of mine too. Like if something were to happen to me, like if if my tech didn't feel up to it, like I would call one of the other modern rock guys to like, hey, my wife's having a baby or something crazy like. You know, I'm sick. Please come take care of this for me. You know, like I would call, you know, Mike Smith or Dango or God forbid if Greg Upchurch wanted to do it, but <laughs> that'd be great. Uh, he'd probably laugh at me if I, if he heard me say that. But anyway, um, you know, um, yeah, I, 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 the reason why I was put in the position is because I did something that a lot of people don't do. So they move here and they, God, you guys are going to kill me for saying this, but like, say it, say it. Okay. So <laughs> they find these people, these heavy hitters in town. Yeah. And they try to follow in their footsteps mm-hmm. and do these things that they say you have to do mm. to be successful. So a drummer that comes to town looks to those other that drummer, have, that's other drummers. This massive drummer in town. Uh huh. Uh huh. And he's like, I have to do all these things or I'm screwed. Yeah, yeah. And I moved to town and turned away. I was like, mm, I don't like jazz. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, learn swing. Mm-mm, I don't like jazz. But I, you had to learn to shuffle. I did learn to shuffle, but that was for me showing up to the venue and going, no, I need to do this because I need to play at least once a week live. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I'm not just going to sit at home and not play. Like, yeah. you can only practice so much. That's like, that's why I think like, like, it's cool if you upload covers, but, like, people want to see you driving the bus that want to hire you. You know what I mean? They want to see you, like, playing live and handling yourself in a situation. 
Like I can go learn forty six and two or whatever note for note, but like, you know, when all those, you know, I my my buddy Jack puts it really well. When you're playing live, it's like shooting skeet, you know, shooting clays, yeah. and all these things are flying at you at one time. I'm not going to be thinking about this sextuplet thing that's coming up to, to nail yeah. note for note. The bass player tonight's playing on top tonight, and how I'm, do I get no, him back no, no, with no, no, me? No. How do I, yeah, how do I How do I influence the band? How do I bring this energy? I'm trying to put on a show, man. I don't exactly. care. You know, are you playing behind or ahead of the clip? I don't care. I'm trying to, I'm playing a rock show. Well, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is those are skills from playing with other people. Yes. Because you're driving the bus, like you say, uh-huh. that to know how to, like, bring the band together if somebody's maybe not together that night mm-hmm. yeah you know? and it's okay and i understand that people have off nights yeah so you can't be what i'm saying is like yes be as good as you can and be on your game all the time like as much as you can but don't come in here with some kind of agenda and and follow some you know berkeley or north texas thing like that's that's cool, and those people are great at what they do, but you didn't spend years on a line at north texas you didn't you didn't do that like and it's okay you don't have to do that. Those guys are well respected, I love them to death, they're great, and you probably know who I'm aiming at like ten of them right now, sure, and I've been up there with them yeah. I've played the rush night with them yeah. i've you know at the sold out mercy lounge I've played the loud jams with them. I've done that. I've done the rare hairs. They're just like me. They just have these crazy brains that like, we get it. We both know how to play time. And that's all, that's as far as I'm going to go on that. But what I'm saying is to younger guys that are just getting in town, I say younger guys, there's some guys that didn't move here until they were my age. Right, right, right. But guys that are new to town, coming in here and immediately freaking out and going, oh my God, I have to practice every single night or I'm going to die is a bunch of bullshit and because you have to come in here and know your strengths and weaknesses and dig your trench because there is room for you here and when i found out that i could take pride in being a rock drummer because that's what i listen to and that's what i live for that's what i did i came in here found my little area found my niche i came in i had a silly name (laughs) you know and I had shirts on that you couldn't read because I'm really into death metal. I have long hair, you know, and tattoos all over me. And I knew showing up to a blues bar and playing a shuffle with all of that, that amalgam of whatever that is that they're trying to, fi- wait a minute, your name's Dave Matthews and you're like, your shirt says what? Cattle decapitation? Like, and you're shuffling to this, what? Like, <laughs> You know, and I was like, cool, I've got your attention now. But Dave, as a listener of this podcast, you know that we've pushed that narrative many times that when you go to a town, even if it's Nashville or not, Mm -hmm. the best you'll ever sound is being you. That's right. And not only sound-wise, but Mm attitude-wise and all those things. So yeah, dude, I get it. And you might not be the guy for the gig. Like, you your sound not. might not be that gig you sound. Not, might you might not. not. And that's hey. okay. Like, it's okay to follow in the footsteps and try to be your favorite. Like, yeah. my number one will forever be Abe Cunningham. But Abe Cunningham does not work on Jody Messina's gig. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I know that. Yeah. I'm okay with that. But if somebody said, no, cut loose, I don't care. Yeah. 
you know, then I can feel comfortable. But don't don't be something that you're not like. Right, exactly. And I think that's the biggest takeaway. I mean, there's one thing and I want to I want to get into this is my takeaway for the podcast. And a lot of people may not know this, but it's like there were so many unknowns around with drummers around me in the drumming community and stuff like that. That I just and you develop this false narrative in your head about what people are thinking about you, what is required oh of you, and all these things, and that you is an aff- deep now. That's an affliction, man. Yeah. And there's not room for that. That's right. There's not. There isn't room for that. And I had that hard. And I mean, it was. And it it took up too much mental space. That's right. The podcast has been a outlet for me, mm-hmm. one of the outlets for me, to bring some of those people that I've developed some sort of distance from to be close and say, come to my house, let's sit down, let's talk. Yeah. And what I've discovered personally is that, wow, you... You're just like me. You're just like me. You have the same struggles. You have the same desires and dreams as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you are you. That's right. And I am me. That's right. And so that's good. And I don't want to be you. That's right. I want to be me. Yeah. I want to be the husband and the father that mm-hmm. I am, and also the drummer and the friend mm-hmm. that I am to to my peers. So that was a game changer that's in right. the way I navigated the scene. That's right. Yeah. And my attitude changed. Yeah, you have no idea what's going through that person's head after they leave that gig. You have no idea what they had to do to get there. You have no idea how long they had to learn that material. You but have you, no idea. So stop you comparing even, yourself. You, you even brought it up, you know, when you first walked down Lower Broad when you came to town. You're like, give that. I'm extending grace to this person because who knows? They might have just been just thrown on the gig. But tell me, so you've been listening to the podcast and we've connected <sighs> through time. the podcast. Mm-hmm. So I don't want this to be an infomercial, <laughs> but can you just take just a, a minute and tell me like, what have been some of the things that you've taken away from this? And then also, what do you what, what would you like more of? Or what do you think we should cover that we haven't? Man, I think the one thing that I just that I take away from this podcast or you know Nick Rafini's Nick Rafini's or, resource. Or, or Ben's Big Fat Five. Big Fat Five Love. Yeah. yeah ben yeah. is just the Ben Hiltzinger. Yeah, he is just great. I love listening to those guys. Talk about attitude, delivery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He knows. Like, he's just like the date, the coolest thing. And this goes into to how I pick out uh, things from your podcast. What's great about it is sometimes people will say things and you're like, oh, that is me to a T. Oh, I need to fix that. Like, one day he goes, yeah, I don't sit in a room and practice. I mean, I'll like, you know, play paradiddle diddles for a couple of minutes and then like I'm on my phone watching YouTube and I'm like, oh shit, that stung. Cause yeah. that was me for like a month. I was like, oh, I need to get my hands together. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, down so, these rabbit holes, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, so taking from your podcast is that was my way of learning, learning the ropes and learning the, business from a drummer's point of view before mm. I actually started really getting in it. Yeah. Every morning on my way to work, I had a 45-minute drive. Mm-hmm. I would just listen to the whole thing. Every day, I didn't even listen to the radio. For like mm. the first six months, I just only listened to this podcast and Drummer's Resource for six six months, almost a year. Wow. 
every morning that's all i listen to you get a you get a podcast badge thank you to go on your podcast mm-hmm. it means the world to me it really does like i between just experiences and finding my own voice and practicing for hours a day on some things to tighten it up i'd have to say listening to this podcast Nick's podcast and Ben's or whoever else's, you know, that helped me calm down because I was mm-hmm. sleeping on a mattress with my wife and my son. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there were times where my wife didn't understand it and my marriage was about to end mm-hmm. because I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I came up here and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't, and I sincerely felt like I let my family down. Hmm. And especially after, like, I went on that six month break. Yeah. I was just working this terrible job. And I was like, I'm going to fail. Hmm. I'm going to fail. Like, I set these expectations too high. I do not have it together fundamentally. I'm going to fail. This is about to end me right now. What turned around for you? What was the thing that turned it all around? Mm, it was like an amalgam of things. It was like, yeah. for one, just showing up and figuring out that everybody's kind of similar, man. Yeah. Like, they're, they go through the same stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, they have the same struggles as you do. Um, another thing is like making actual friends. Mm, yeah. Making Sup- actual building friends. Building a support system around Building you. a support system, making actual friends, and, and checking up on them and making sure they're okay. Reciprocating yeah. that friendship. I don't network. I don't know what yeah. that is. Yeah. Because yeah. network is such a gross word to me. Yeah, it is. Go out and find the, the biggest guy in the room and see if you can get in his camp. <laughs> like, I want to punch you in the nuts every time I you hear You mentioned when you had that rehearsal and you were called up to play that song... At SIR, you looked around, and the only person you didn't know at the time was Jared Weeks. But That's it. I knew like, everybody in that room because I'd been playing with them. Yeah. And they were like, and they looked at me like, oh, it's about to go down. Like, the, and, and all my friends that were playing with me that song, they were my friends. Yeah. Like, my real friends. Like, yeah. I can call them right now. And how much do you think attitude plays a role in putting on a good performance? Um, well, apparently, if you cut your hair, you will be unemployed. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. Thanks, Scott Wilson. I love you. I'm sorry. Um, hey, I cut my hair. My hair was as long as yours <laughs> before I moved down. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's I've been here for 21 years. And yeah, I'll cut it one day. I've already told myself that when no, I, I when I hit like 35, hair. I'm gonna go. No, I, I don't think I need hair. this anymore. No, seriously. Like attitude for me personally is like 90% of the game. Oh, yeah. And if my attitude is not good, then it's like, oh, get it together because, Mm -hmm. you know, all the practicing and all the the whatever. Be quiet in your bunk. Be quiet. That's that's what that is. Like, that's all that is, is like when your attitude, it's like when when you hear the same cliche thing over and over and they're like, man, it's all about the hang. It's like, yes and no, like... I understand that, but, like, you don't want to get on the bus with this false sense of whatever, like, you know, okay, so my hang has to be good. No, dude, you just need to know 
like the bus rules and you need to know how to make a friendship with these people and understand their boundaries. Like you don't need to be like, it's all on me to make sure that my attitude is no, it's on everybody, man. Everybody's got their own problems. So let me ask you this. I I thought, how, how does one, because we've, we now in 2021, we're using the internet to kind of like get the word out about what we do, who we are in you know in the best way we can most most representative of who we are mm-hmm. as a player as a person but if your name is Dave Matthews <laughs> oh shit and it's Dave Matthews you Dave Matthews drummer we both came out the same year it's cool he does this thing i do mine yeah how, how do you how do you work around that because if you type in Dave Matthews Dave Matthews comes up sure if you type in Dave Matthews drummer you well, get Carter both. You get Carter both. But if you type in Groove Thumper, Groove you get thump. me. Yeah, there you go. You know what I mean? So, I mean... How, or you that, type in Saving Abel. There you go. There you, you get go. Has three that been other a thing? drummers has and been then a, me. Has that been a frustrating thing? Yeah, right. You get three other drummers and then... <laughs> um, <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yes and no. People are starting to figure out that, like, depending on the day you catch me, if you catch me and I'm in a good mood, I'm going to tell you... Yeah, man, he does his thing, and I do mine. I mean, we both came out the same year. And a lot of that goes over right over somebody's head. They're like, wait a minute, when did he come out? 94? Oh, you were born in 94. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you catch me on a bad day and they go, like the band? And I'm going to go, yeah, dude, like the band. Like the, yeah. And I'm going to look at them like, yeah. look, dude, I'm running <laughs> on three hours of sleep. I'm hungry, and you're in my face. Dave is not an uncommon. Matthews is not an uncommon. Yeah, the, so the reason why <laughs> the reason why that even exists is because my parents weren't married. Yeah. Okay. My mom's last name is Matthews. Mm-hmm. My dad's first name is David. Yeah. Right. But he always went by Dave. Yeah. And when I was growing up, he was Big Dave, and I was Little Dave. Yeah. Dave Matthews. It's not because my mom was infatuated with the guy well. that dances around and honks on stage with this amazing band. <laughs> it, it's not that at all. Like you know, it, it, you know, it would be amazing. Ants marching does not start playing when I walk in the room. I hope it's something heavy, <laughs> low and slow. Well, tell me, tell me real quick, uh, what's the rest of the year look like with the band? What's happening? Was the recording that you were on, is that out? It will be. It will Probably be Probably this month. Awesome. And what's that? Is that a, the essentials? Yeah, just essentials. Like every hit that they had and everything that charted. Okay. So there's like 13 on there. And you played on what all What a flex. Uh, yeah, most of them. Like, gotcha. Yeah, so uh, I think maybe one might be acoustic. I think there might be a... I, th- I just did a cover for him too, and I think that's going to come in. Um but yeah, everything that charted, so like Addicted, Drowning, 18 Days, Bringing Down the Giant, all that, all that's on there. That's all me. Nice. Like every, I think there's nine songs that's me, and I think there might be 12 on the record, mm-hmm. uh, and I think there might be an acoustic tune and a cover. I'm sorry, 10 is me, because okay. I, cause I did the cover. So like 10, and I think there might be maybe 11 or 12 on the record. That's great, man. But, that's great. But, and, and then you, know, you guys will tour in support of that. So, no. So what's going to happen is um, we've got, uh, I think, I've got a couple dates for the rest of the year, and then October 24th is my last date, and I'm done. And then I think there may be a couple in November, but we go in November to start on the new record. Oh, cool. So that's all new. Um, Have you heard any of the material yet? Uh, I hear riffs every day. 
Okay. Like Jason is our writer and he comes out and I just hear him ripping like every day. He's in, he's in writing mode right now. Okay. Um, so what will happen is they'll go in and they'll start doing, you know, riffs and, and composing and putting things together with the producer and, you know, Jared will come in and sing his parts and, you know, you'll start having that and then they'll map it out and then they'll go, okay, it's Dave's turn. Yeah. And then I'll come in and just like take chunks out of it, you know, and do my thing. Uh, in December, there's going to be a couple dates. I think we're, off for a lot of that january i'm not even sure yet february is i think when the record comes out yeah somewhere around february and then we will i don't i can't predict the future but what i can say is we are going to have to support that album so i don't know if there's going to be uh tour support i don't know if there's going to be an actual album cycle uh i would say uh just from like here's my i'm just going to give you my dream scenario here okay let's do that my dream scenario... Let's put it out there in the universe. Yeah. Uh, let's manifest this together. I need uh, all 10 of you that are listening and my mom... <laughs> Come on. To, to, <laughs> you know, there's, there's 12. Yeah, there's 12. Uh, I need everybody to manifest this. Okay, so my goal is to support a larger artist like a Seven Dust or a three, because my band has toured with Seven Dust before. Yeah, yeah. Or Three Doors Down or yeah. Three of a Dead Man or, you know, because they've done all that my hope is for us to support somebody like that with our new record and do that record and, and, and go throughout the year uh, doing that. So like a couple of months on the road with a new record, new stuff, good pre pro underneath us, you know what I mean? A couple of those guys, you know, and take a couple blocks around the United States and then maybe some European dates uh, because apparently our kind of music is really big in Europe. Nice. How yeah. fun would that be? Yeah, like, well, you know, we, we've played with this band. Well, they have. Uh, Blackstone Cherry. Yeah. So over here, they're doing di- stuff kind of like us. Over there, they're like in arenas. But yeah, so my, my goal is to support the record. You know, uh, my my band would, you know, they they do, you know, kind of laugh at me every once in a while because I'm so young. And they're like, man, your, your outlook on some of this stuff is wild, man. You need to calm down. Like... Because I'm so young and excited all the time. That's great, dude. I yeah. mean, because that's sometimes, that gets lost. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to remember that. Yeah. This is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, this is cool, man. I get to do this for a living. You know yeah, what I mean? I, I give them a razzle-dazzle, man. Oh, I, man, this guy's my age. They're like so over it. I'm like, yeah. guys, wake up. Dude, I never get tired of standing up when the intro's Just, going, hey, listen, standing behind the drums. Don't and, forget. Don't forget. You know, and it's gonna you you will get challenged, and you'll be like, oh man, I don't feel like going out, dude. Like, you know, yeah, I've yeah. I've been there, like where yeah. it's you know a hundred and whatever degrees in Texas, and I'm like, mm-hmm. here we go. It's real. The yeah, real. no, it's real. Like you know, there's so much to take away from what whatever avenue anybody in whatever place in their journey they're on. Um, that's why I find it so fascinating that you're like, here's what Nashville is to me. You know, four years in. Just don't get lost. Yeah. Don't get yeah. lost and find your path and like don't let it traumatize you, man. No. Don't no, let no. these people get in your head. Don't let that happen. Go out and make friends. Don't go in the room and and, and try to, to to be the best because like everybody can play. So get over that real quick. You know, <laughs> like true. like most people can play. Like just Ooh. just don't don't get in there and, and, and make a fool of yourself. Like yeah, yeah. just be really easy to talk to and down to earth. People all the time. will People will hire you for what you do, mm-hmm. and they will and not are, hire yeah. you for what you do That's and who right. you are. And mm-hmm. you you are no you are much better being who you are. Mm-hmm. And so, 
Yeah, and and you'll be a lot happier, and you'll be a lot better friend and spouse and right. and parent and and uh, whatever when your attitude is not. Uh, when your brain isn't, uh, you know, distorted with other, yeah. like, thinking about what other, someone else is thinking yeah. and, you know, yeah. whatever. You don't, yeah, don't time for that shit. You, yeah. and, you're, and, and, and now your family, your road family, sees that in you, yeah. you know. So. I hope they listen to this. I really do. Man, because they, so they too. Because they really do. Like, those guys mean the world to me. That's, like, that's amazing. They really do. Like, they yeah. really changed my life. Like, yeah. I love them because yeah. Saving Abel is from my home state. Yeah. Should we change the name to Saving Dave, maybe? <laughs> Dave Abel. I've gotten called Dave Abel before. But I mean, but 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 this is a st- this is news. Like, hey, here's a band of and you know, band and crew that all gets along really well. Mm-hmm. Man, that's news. Why? That's stupid. It shouldn't be news. It should be normal. Yeah, it's normal. You know. So that. let that be normal. Find those people for whatever gig you want that you know, that's the standard. You found the standard, you know. You found your way in the standard. You know, by design or default or whatever, it is what it is. So uh, now you're going to, you know, make sure that it remains as true to that form for as long as you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope so. And I hope that, like, you know, on the new record, man, I, I hope that, like, everything just just flows you know what i mean like i hope they just you know because they like the way i play now you know i'm and i'm hoping like you know my voice will be heard and not only heard but like appreciated like you know he's young but like it looks like he's got his shit together like it's pretty cool you know and that's i just at the end of the day man i just want to like i want to put out something that like my kid could turn on and go that was my dad you know, or like, you know, like my friends could go, that was Dave. You know what I mean? Like, Dave was on that record. God rest his soul. Yeah, something like Dave that. Dave Matthews died? No, yeah. the drummer. Oh, oh yeah. Fuck sorry. That, fuck yeah. <laughs> that might be a good place to end. Yeah, totally. Hey, Dave, thank you, man, so much. Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Dave. So there you have it, my conversation with drummer Dave Matthews. Uh, I so appreciated him taking the time to speak with us. And also appreciate him being a fan and listener of our podcast and our friends podcast whether it's uh, Nick Ruffini or Ben Hiltzinger or some of these other great drumming podcasts that we have out there so uh, Dave thanks so much for the hang stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Brandon Bush you might know his brother Christian Bush who's had some success in the industry as a singer Brandon is a multi-instrumentalist that includes drums songwriting music directing and uh, many other things so stay tuned next week for that But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, get vaxxed, and be well, and uh, hope to see you around. Bye-bye.